Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Every stream, guys, I'm telling you now is the time we as a church need to push back on the darkness that is happening around us. I'm having people call me and message me and say, Isaiah, what is going on in America? I'll tell you what is going on. God is raising up an army that is going to be the only resistance left in this nation. As you watch the news, as you see what's happening globally, it's time for the church to rise up. If we stop pushing back the darkness in prayer, if we stop pushing back the darkness in worship, if we stop fighting and contending for breakthrough, all hell will break out in America like we've never seen before. And tonight I am blowing the trumpet. I am exposing the darkness that we have allowed to come into our churches and rob us of the supernatural power of God. We are living in a power outage right now in the American church. As some of you know, California about a year ago went through some major power outages and it was national news. People were seeing about all the power going out in different places of California. They were saying that we, we're getting uh, messages from our power providers saying you might not have power for weeks uh, and I sat there and I began to scratch my head and I said the whole world is freaking out because California is about to go into a probable power outage yet why is no prophets or no preachers or no pastors freaking out that the American church has been living in a power outage for years and I believe it is time for the power to come back to the American church I believe it is time for the anointing to come back to the American American church. I believe that God is raising up a church that walks in the supernatural power. I prophesy and I believe that as churches begin to open back up, people are going to get in, in from wheelchairs, going to come in in wheelchairs and walk out of the services. I believe people are going to come in oppressed, possessed, and every other thing you can think of. And the Lord is going to begin to break the back of the enemy. And there is going to be a supernatural victory that begins to happen in the church. I'm believing for supernatural in our churches. I'm believing for supernatural and pastors. Come on, share this stream. God forbid the Holy Spirit stop moving in the body of Christ right now. What you need to understand is right now as a nation, the only thing that's bringing peace to America, the only thing bringing peace to your family is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was not in your life, there would be complete chaos. And you know this because before the Holy Spirit came, there was complete chaos in your life. Just as last Tuesday, we did the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have message after message after message of people saying, I got the baptism the first time on Tuesday night. I've been in church my entire life. And Isaiah, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time with the evidence of speaking in tongues on Tuesday night. I'm telling you, God wants to empty you out and fill you with his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings peace. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings order. The Holy Spirit's presence brings clarity clarity. The Holy Spirit's presence brings justice. If your life has been in all out chaos, you need to hear me loud and clear tonight. It is time for you to ask the dove of the Holy Ghost to land on your situation. It's time to ask the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a cry that rises up. Come on, we're about to hit 600 viewers. Share the stream. There needs to be a cry that rises up in the body of Christ that say, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit in the church once again. I want 
wonder if I have anybody, any pastors up in this stream that say, Lord, I am weary of doing it without you. I need your Holy Spirit's presence. I need your Holy Spirit's power. I need you stay-at-home moms to listen to me. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to raise your kids. I need your business, these business owners up in this chat to listen to me. You need the power of the Holy Ghost in your business. Some of you, the Lord is saying tonight, you are exhausted because you've been trying to do it without the Holy Spirit's power. You are exhausted because you've been trying to live your life as a believer without being assisted by the power of the Holy Ghost. But understand, God is restoring power back to the church. And what we're beginning to see is we relied so much as the body of Christ on all of our programs, our buildings, our lights, and our schedules. A lot of stuff is crumbling right now. And listen, I've preached in hundreds of churches all over America. If you're new to the stream, I've been traveling for 10 years. I've also been pastoring in California. And I'm telling you what we're realizing. Pastors are messaging me. They're texting me and calling me saying, Isaiah, we realize that our church was not built on the foundation of the Holy Spirit, but it was built on secular things. And right now it is crumbling. See, understand when all of our secular and our natural church things begin to get stripped away, all that we are left with was what we really are. And that is cold, powerless religion. But there is a cry rising up in the people of God that say, I want the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life. I am not okay. See, it starts tonight when you say, I'm not okay with living my life, not having his power. I wonder if anyone's in the chat tonight that says, I'm tired of being idle. I'm tired of the Holy Spirit not moving and working and doing things in my life. I need a fresh encounter. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I need a fresh anointing. I need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of walking around idle and I'm not okay with his power not moving. I wish somebody was honest as I talked about last Friday that would say tonight, Holy Spirit, I'm not okay with not seeing miracles in my life. I'm not okay with people around me oppressed by demonic powers, all demonized and not having the supernatural power in my life to break their chains. I'm not okay with living my life Sunday to Sunday, pacifier, Christianity and never having a genuine encounter with Almighty God. I believe genuine encounters are the desires of God, and there is a new wineskin that God is releasing. Now, the Bible says that God will not pour out the new thing that He's doing into the old wineskins. And so, what we're seeing is a lot of places, a lot of churches, and a lot of believers, hear me loud and clear tonight, are getting left behind in what God is doing because they're not willing to adapt to what God is doing. We cry that we want the old back. We want what used to be. We want what happened yesterday. We want God to restore what we lost before the corona. But the Lord is saying, what you don't understand is that I'm a God that is in full control right now. And I'm redefining and I'm renovating the way we do church and the way that I move. And I'm doing a new thing in the earth. And we're too busy as believers begging God to redo what he did yesterday when the Lord is saying, what I want to do is so much better. There is a fresh fire right now coming over every person in the chat. 
There is a fresh anointing that God says tonight I'm getting ready to release. There is a new wineskin that is getting ready to be poured out. There is a new wine. There's a new releasing of the supernatural that God is doing. And tonight, I want you to type one in the chat if this is you. I'm saying, Lord, personally, I want to be a part of the new thing. I want to be a part of what you're saying. I don't want to be a dinosaur. I want to renovate and adapt and to innovate and to do a new thing and to be a part of what you're saying. Friend, I want to tell somebody that you are not too old for the new thing that God is doing. You are not too messed up for the new thing that God is doing. I was just reading about 10 plus messages yesterday of people that just got saved in these live streams. And they're saying, Isaiah, we don't want to live this lifestyle anymore. We don't want to be like this anymore. We feel an urgency that God is getting ready to do something and getting ready to come back. And we want to be a part of what he is doing and what he is saying. Here's what blows my mind. I have unbelievable getting saved and messaging me saying this, there's a new thing happening and we feel like it's now time to serve the Lord. And yet believers don't even recognize the new thing that God is doing. Believers don't even recognize the new thing that God is saying. And I'm here to tell somebody it is time to wake up to what God is saying and what God is doing in the church, that there is an idleness that has been released. And God is saying it's time for the church to awaken. This is why Paul and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. He's talking to a church that had literally begun to quit their job and stop reaching people, stop preaching to people, and stop praying for people because they believed the theology that Jesus was coming back tomorrow. It was popular belief in the Thessalonica church that God was coming back tomorrow. So because they were focused on God coming back, it produced an idleness. And Paul had to tell them, guys, listen, listen, listen. If you really really believe that Jesus is coming back, if you really believe that we are living in the last days, if you really believe that these are the signs of the times with the weather, with the corona, with the lawlessness, then you need to understand now is the time to be more radical than we've ever been. Friend, listen, if you're not witnessing to more people, I know we're not out. I know a lot of us are still at stay home, but you can message people, guys. You can call people. If we're not reaching more people and more intensity and more passion, if there's not more of a hunger in you, right now than there's ever been, then you don't realize the hour that we are living in. This is what Paul was saying. Understand that if Jesus is coming back, we should be telling everybody we know. We should be praying for the lost. We should be reaching out to the poor. We should be spreading the gospel as quickly and as powerful as we can. Now, Paul was making it very clear. Listen, I don't want to expose anybody. I'm not going to call it any names tonight, but I do want to expose that there is some witchcraft happening in the church. There is a lot of people that are constantly giving visions and dreams and revelations of things that are not coming to pass or things that are not happening that are bringing confusion over the body of Christ, saying this and saying that. And this is what was happening in Thessalonica. Everybody was saying, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And Paul said, what you have to understand, do not be fooled by what they say. And this is what Paul says. He says, for the day of the Lord will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. Hear what I'm saying. This is all going to make sense. And there's a man called lawlessness. Now, some of you have never heard this before, but he says there's a man of lawlessness that is revealed. There is a man of lawlessness right now that is working in darkness that is one day going to be revealed. He is working to cause lawlessness and demonic activity among social order, among people, and among the 
the nation, but Paul says there's somebody holding back the man of lawlessness. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that that person holding back the man of lawlessness is the Holy Spirit. See, understand lawlessness works in darkness and disorder and demonic activity is in darkness, but Paul is saying you have to understand the day of the Lord is coming. Yes, remember this is 2,000 years ago. Yes, the day of the Lord is coming, but understand there's a man, a spirit called lawlessness that is going to be fully released in the earth once the Holy Spirit moves, and what you're seeing is just a taste of what is coming. Friend, I'm telling you, the times that we're living in, things are going to get worse before they get better because we are slowly, and I feel the fear of the Lord tonight. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost up in this place, but understand that right now there is a slow revealing of the man of lawlessness. There is a slow revealing. This is the hour that we are living in. Paul was talking about where slowly but surely the Holy Spirit is allowing that lawlessness to be revealed in the earth because we are living in the last moments. Now, when Paul wrote this, this was 2,000 years ago, but the hour that we're living in now, we are living in the last days, in the last moments. That's why I'm saying it's not time to be cowards or timid or shy about what God is saying or doing. The hour we're living in is the hour of the great rebellion. Right now, our entire country is shaking their fist at God. They're telling God, leave us alone. We don't want you. They're removing him out of every area of society. We are living in a nation that is going farther and farther from the things of God. We are living in a nation that is setting itself up to go against the will of God, determined to rebel against God. Look what they're doing with all the laws. And I'm not talking about what they're doing with the laws of America. I'm talking about the laws of God. Congress thinks that it could change the word of God. It could change God-ordained institution. But understand that the word of God was written by God. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And we are living in a generation that does not have the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, it is time for the fear of the Lord to come back. We don't hear this preached often. It is time for the fear of the Lord to come back to the church. I wonder what would happen if pastors that were sleeping around, if pastors that were addicted to pornography, if pastors that are stealing money from the church, if pastors that are lying and bringing in witchcraft and bringing in heresy and bringing in familiar spirits. I wonder if those pastors begin to get struck with the fear of the Lord. I wonder what would happen to our marriages, our families, our communities, our nation, if we walked in the fear of the Lord. I wonder what would happen if we say, Lord, you're not just somebody we talk to on Sunday, but you're every part of our life. And my next sin could be my last sin. I mean, you think about Ananias and Sapphira. They got struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. Imagine the fear of the Lord that began to sweep through the early church when they watched two people drop dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom being the application of knowledge. It starts in the fear of the Lord. And my prayer tonight is, Lord, release a new fear over the body of Christ. Let me tell you why people are rioting out in the streets. Let me tell you why people are destroying things. Let me tell you why people are ruining lives and people are killing people. You're seeing videos nonstop of people getting jumped and people getting killed and people getting shot. It's because we don't have a fear of the Lord. And when a nation loses the fear of the Lord, the restraint that held the laws together, the 
restraint that held the culture together is now getting removed. Remember in Psalms, it says, and the nations will gather to remove the fetters. What are fetters? Fetters are the things that hold hay or hold things together. They're like wraps, ties. And what they were saying in Psalms is that the world is going to gather together and they're going to remove us. They're going to persecute us because we are the only thing holding together. I feel the Holy Ghost. We are the only thing holding together the morality of this nation. The church is the only thing pushing back the judgment of God. The church is the only thing pushing back the darkness. The church, you are the resistance. You are the only line. You are the intercessor on the wall. Come on, intercessor. It's time to get back on the wall. I know there's many pastors. I'm reading your comments. I see you in the chat tonight. Pastors, it is time to get back on the wall and say, not in my church, not in my city, not in my country. We refuse to allow this to take place. I've been in prayer saying, Lord, not in America. This cannot happen on my watch. They will not defund law enforcement in my city. They will not allow this to happen in this city. They will not allow demons to be the norm. They will not allow witchcraft to be the norm. They will not allow the transgender agenda to be the norm. We need to begin to push back on the work and the forces of darkness, and we need to see a great revival. Now, the Bible says Paul began to warn them and say there has to first, remember, before Jesus comes, there has to be a great rebellion. That man of lawlessness needs to get released, and there's going to be a great rebellion. Now, what's interesting is the Bible says that rebellion is as or the same as the sin of witchcraft. Another translation says rebellion is as bad as witchcraft. So here's what Paul was saying. There's going to be a great rebellion in our nation, in our country, in our communities, in, our, in, in, the, in the world or in the church. And it's going to open up the door for a flood of witchcraft to come through. We have opened up ourselves to demonic powers. This is going to start making sense and it's going to understand a lot of the demonic demonic warfare that you're going through, but understand that we have opened up ourselves to demonic powers because we've rebelled against God's intended plan for America. We've rebelled against God's intended plan for marriage. We've rebelled against God's intended plan for the family model. We've, we've rebelled against God's intended plan for the churches. See, God had an original design for marriage, an original design for the church, an original design for your family, an original design for the ministry. We don't have to try to figure out how we should build our ministries. The book of Acts gives us an original design of preaching the gospel, of healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons, eating together, baptizing people, discipling people. There is already a model. So we don't need a thousand church leadership summits about dead preachers telling us nothing. We don't need a thousand more classes of Bible college or cemetery trying to teach us the things that the Bible makes very clear and overcomplicate the word of God. What we need to do is go to the original design of the word of God. See, rebellion and witchcraft come into our lives when we don't obey the original plan of God for our lives. The context of this verse, now I know everybody's quoted that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, but you need to understand the context of this verse was Samuel telling Saul, you didn't kill everything God told you to kill, and you've allowed the enemies of God to linger in your life 
you've allowed things to stay in your life, hear me tonight, that are in complete war with God, that are complete opposites of God's kingdom. So God told Saul, I want you to kill all the Amalekites. Saul decided to save something and didn't kill them all and save the king. And the Lord said, Saul, because you disobeyed me and you didn't get rid of everything in your life that I called you and anointed you and mandated you to get rid of because you weren't willing to give those things up. He says, Saul, I'm going to reject you. You've been rebellious and you have allowed witchcraft to come over your life. Now, witchcraft causes many things in our life. One of the major symptoms, I'm not going to go into a huge thing on this. I'm going to talk about some other stuff here, but one of the major symptoms of witchcraft is depression. Another major symptom of witchcraft I've delivered many people from witchcraft is confusion. People say, Isaiah, I feel confused. I don't really know what I'm called to do. I don't really know who I'm called to go to. I don't really know what church I'm called to be at. I don't really know if I'm called to get married or not. I don't really know what I should be doing with my business. I don't really know what's going on in my marriage. I don't really, I just feel like there's a cloud that's coming over me. I feel like there's a darkness that's come on me. And beloved, you have to understand that that is actually a spell of witchcraft that you have opened up because you've rebelled against what God has said for your life. God hates rebellion, but why did God, now we could talk about rebelling for hours because all throughout the Bible, the church rebelled against God. God, I preached on it last week. God says, you've, you've disobeyed me. You've rebelled against me. You do not obey my commands and you do whatever you feel right. The Bible talks about there's coming a day where men will do what's right in their own eyes. They will follow their desires and whatever feels good to them will be okay. And this is why we're seeing a lot of laws that are getting passed because it's all about feelings. Well, if it makes you feel good, maybe it's, you're born that way. If it makes you feel good, maybe you should do it. If it makes you feel good. So we have a generation that's walking by their feelings and we're rebelling against God. But understand the original word for witchcraft in this context was witchcraft or divination. This was the Hebrew word and it literally was a demonic thing that was happening when they were rebelling. And why and why God compared rebellion to witchcraft is God is saying this, that at its root, and now I need you to hear me tonight very clear, at its root, rebellion is nothing more than willfully choosing to be led by another spirit other than the spirit of God. Let me say that again. Rebellion is nothing more than willfully choosing to be led by another spirit that is is not the spirit of God. Understand that if we're not walking and following what the spirit of God is saying to us in our specific life, then we are following another spirit. How many times do we hear people say, I'm going to move out of state. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And you'd often say, did the Lord tell you to move there? Did the Lord tell you to get with that girl? Did the Lord tell you to start that business? Did the Lord tell you to go do this thing? And often I was like, I didn't really think about that or even inquire with the Lord. I want you to go read your Bible and see what happened to Israel when they did not inquire with the Lord. When we stop inquiring with God, we begin to follow demonic spirits that lead us off the path of God and we live our lives as confused believers. I'm gonna talk about depression here too, as depressed believers because we're confused about the will of God for our lives because we've actually rebelled against what God is saying. See, Saul rebelled and Samuel said, because you've rebelled, now you're gonna have to face the consequences. The 
result of rebellion was not just you opening up other yourself to other spirits, but the result of rebellion or the spirit of witchcraft is actually the hand of God coming off of you, which is actually the scariest thing that could ever happen to a believer. Understand this, that if you're not doing the will of God, you are 100% doing the will of the devil. So if you're doing your own thing and not following God's plan for your life, you're following the enemy. That's why Jesus says that if you're not for me, then you are against me. If you're not doing my will, let me translate it for some of you sitting in the back, okay? If you're not doing my will, you're doing the enemy's will for your life and you're actually following after demonic spirits. You're actually opening up the door to demonic spirits and rebellion becomes the stronghold where depression, where suicide, where confusion, where witchcraft, where the, you feel like, oh, a person put a spell or this and you begin to open up yourself to all types of ungodly supernatural encounters. Now, I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, but there is, uh, I got I to gotta be careful when I say this because I know some of y'all are up in the chat, some of my pastor friends that I might be just talking about are in the chat. There is a counterfeit signs and wonders gospel being spread through America. Now, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe in being slain in the spirit. I believe in speaking in other tongues. I believe in divine miracles, but I want to tell you this after traveling for 10 years and being in hundreds of churches, there are so many counterfeit manifestations happening right now in the American church. And I could see these manifestations and it makes me feel gross on the inside because I know that because we've rebelled against God's original design and we've made the church what we want it to be, we have actually opened up the door in our churches to demonic spirits that have come into our churches. And that is why so many places you go and you say, there's just such a weird spirit here and there's weird things happening and people are doing, and I won't go into it because I know there's people in the chat that do this and I want to be sensitive and I don't want to start calling people out that are, that are close friends and that are in the chat, but you know, the manifestations I'm talking about, they begin to have all these type of manifestations. Now I want to say this, they don't point anyone to God. They don't point anyone to the Holy spirit. It's all these manifestations happening. I remember I was at one church. They said, Isaiah, when you begin to preach, everybody's going to start laughing in the service. I said, what do you mean? They said, yeah, when you begin to preach, a lot of times our church just breaks out in holy laughter and don't, don't get distracted that we are going to laugh throughout the whole service. It's holy laughter. And in my mind, I realized that there is no division in God. And why would God bring me to deliver the word? And as I'm preaching the word, God's going to cause you to laugh and cause division in the church and cause distractions in the church and take the glory off of God and put the glory onto you. See, these are manifestations that we've allowed in the body of Christ because we've created and tailor-made a counterfeit gospel and a counterfeit Jesus that is leading people astray. And I'll tell you, if you bring your unsafe friends, if you bring your unsafe family to these churches, they are going to sit there and they're going to freak out and they're probably never going to come back because they recognize it's not the spirit of God. I've walked in the spirit-filled churches. I got saved in a spirit-filled church and I was a complete atheist. Yet when I walked in, I recognized the spirit of God. Even the world could recognize the spirit of God. And as the body of Christ, we need to begin to speak out against counterfeit spirits. We need to begin to speak out against um, uh, spirits that are not of God and spirits that are from the Antichrist and discern discern what is God and what is not God because we are making a mockery out of the things of God. There isn't preachers that are rising up now speaking against these things. We are living in a church age where everything goes and we've opened up ourselves up to rebellion. But understand that the result of Saul's rebellion was Samuel saying God has rejected you as king and the hand of God literally came off of Saul. Our cry needs to be Lord 
don't take your hand off of my life. Lord, don't take your hand off of my ministry. Lord, even though I've rejected your spirit in my life, please don't take it off of me. See, Paul in Thessalonians talks about the enemy or the man of lawlessness will begin to use every type of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. So he said, understand that in these days that we're living in right now, that spirit of witchcraft, that man of lawlessness, that power of rebellion, which a lot of these terms are synonymous according to scripture, they're going to begin to use their witchcraft. They're going to begin to use their deception and they're going to infiltrate the church. They're going to infiltrate the culture and they're going to use all types of things to fool people on their way to deception. They're going to use the media to fool people. They're going to use music to trick people. They're going to use movies to push their agendas, their lawless agendas. They're going to use video games and magazines and styles and the things of this world. And now everything is going to become acceptable. Friend, I want you to understand and and hear me loud and clear tonight. We are living in a generation where everything is acceptable now, where literally you can't even go to the beach without seeing nudity. You can't even go to the grocery store. I am not trying to be vulgar or crude here, but I am, uh, I am, my mind is blown when I see fathers. I have three daughters and a fourth daughter on the way. And my mind is blown when I see kids and I see fathers with their 13 year olds and 14 year olds and 15 year olds with small shorts on and crop tops on. And you have little girls at grocery stores with their parents wearing almost nothing. Am I crazy or is it just me? I'm telling you there is a lawlessness and there is a removing of, um, of morality, a moving of law. Everything now is loose. Everything now is free. There's no standard. You can't even watch a commercial now. You can't even get on the internet now. Everything is being released upon the earth now. It's gone to the next level and it's only going to get worse if the church does not rise up and begin to get back to the original plan that God has called us to be. The enemy is using all types of deceptions to trick people and think everything is fine. There's so many people that say, Isaiah, everything is fine. But if you look at the news, I'm telling you guys, I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to preach politics. I got a lot of family in law enforcement and my, I was just talking to, um, to Nino just yesterday and I said, Nino, did you ever imagine that you were going to live in a day where mainstream media and cities were voting to defund police departments where people were literally saying, I read an article yesterday where there was a, a bunch of people demanding saying, we don't just want the law enforcement defunded. We don't want law enforcement to exist any longer. Friend, I'm telling you, when you have mainstream media saying that we need to push defunding law enforcement, where we don't need to have police that are armed, we don't need to have polices in our community, that we need to take weapons away from law enforcement and disarm them, that is all out lawlessness breaking out in the earth right now. Imagine what happens. They were just saying in Atlanta, so many police officers were walking off the job that literally one of the police departments in Atlanta posted an article saying, sorry, if you call our police department, we can't respond to your calls because all of our officers are walking off the job. All of our officers are leaving because of what's going on because of the hatred. There is a hatred towards law enforcement right now. And I want to expose the enemy. And I know some of you are getting mad. I know the enemy is getting mad. That is the spirit of lawlessness at work right now in our nation. And it is time to break the spirit of lawlessness. It is time to blow the trumpet. It's time for you preachers to get some backbone and stop being afraid to speak out against what the enemy is trying to do in America. It's time to speak out and say God is bringing breakthrough and deliverance right now. We are going to push back the lawlessness. We are not going to allow this right now. The Bible says that this happens to them because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. 
People no longer want to hear the truth. Right now, some of you get mad. You just don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear about holiness in the church. You don't want to hear about sin in the church. You don't want to hear about the justice or the judgment of God. Everything we preach, listen to me tonight, guys. Everything we preach, I've been preaching in churches for 10 years now and many, many, many churches. And every time you preach a bold, convicting messages, there are those that say, oh, I don't want to hear that, Isaiah. That's condemnation. And I don't want to hear that. Even tonight, you're saying this message is too strong. What do you mean the hand of God can come off of me? What do you mean the fear of the Lord? What do you mean the judgment of God? We don't want strong preaching any longer. And I'm telling you, I know these are some strong words I'm speaking tonight. It's because the church has come in alignment with the spirit of lawlessness. And the church has come in alignment with the spirit of the Antichrist. And the church has come in alongside the nominal church in America has come alongside that spirit of rebellion because we have denied God of moving the way that he wants to move in our churches and we have lost the fear we have lost the reverence and we have lost love for the authentic word of God when we bring preachers out to preach at our church I want you to preach a convicting word I love convicting preaching there's 830 of you in here right now because there's actually some people pastors that want to hear the convicting word of God pastors listen to me there's actually some people that want to hear about repentance that want to hear about the narrow road that want to hear about how to do deliverance that want to hear about the supernatural powers that are controlling our culture. Uh, There are people right now in the chat that say, finally, there's a preacher that is not afraid to to go against, that is not afraid to swim upstream, and that is not afraid to preach the truth no matter the cost. We have to preach the truth no matter the cost because the Bible says that those that don't love the truth, they will literally, God will literally cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe all these lies. Understand, friend, that because you don't have a love for the truth because you don't have a love for sound doctrine God is allowing you to be deceived that's why James chapter 4 verse 7 says submit yourselves to God resist the devil and the devil will flee he's around you Isaiah why is the enemy always around me why is the enemy always in my life why is the enemy always in my family in my marriage in my rooms in my this in my that it's because you're not resisting him you are inviting him through rebellion rebellion is an open door when you're outside of alignment with God's will it is an open door for that spirit to begin to wreak all out havoc now there is one thing that I know about demonic spirits and some of y'all need to shout me down right here because you know this is the truth because some of you just started doing deliverances for the first time and you said Isaiah there was over 30 demons I'll tell you one thing about demonic spirits they like to bring their friends when they show up there are some of you that have opened up that door a crack and when that one spirit came in it brought 30 of its friends with it that's why Jesus said when it goes out it finds seven more of its friends even more evil than itself understand that demons congregate in groups they group up together and they infiltrate your life and once you give them an open door now we've all heard the term if you give the devil an inch he'll take a mile this is absolutely true once you give the devil an inch in your life he'll invade and begin to wreak havoc in a bunch of different areas in your life Isaiah all of a sudden this is happening all of a sudden this is happening I'm seeing this I'm seeing that I feel confused and now I have depression and anxiety now they're telling me 
I'm bipolar. Now they're saying I have multiple disorders. Now I have sickness in my body that the doctors don't even know what it is or where it came from. All of a sudden, all these supernatural things begin to break out when that witchcraft shows up, witchcraft being the practice of supernatural magic or the following of a different spirit. If you translate it from the Hebrew, understand it begins to open up your life to a whole bunch of other things. But I have good news for somebody tonight at the end of this, at the end of this word, at the end of this message, I'm going to pray witchcraft off of you. At the end of this, we are going to renounce witchcraft. We're going to renounce spells. I know there's some of you in here. I could see you in the chat that you wrote me saying, please pray this and please lead us through breakthrough prayers because I need this off of me. There are word curses and there are spells and there is witchcraft that we are going to break off of you. Some of you have been in churches that have this are part of this witchcraft. The Lord says, tonight I'm going to break this off of you. Tonight I'm going to release you from this bondage. Tonight I'm going to break this so that you don't have to live your life under the bondage and and under the power of anxiety and depression. Understand that there was many men in the Bible that even dealt with anxiety, dealt with suicide, and dealt with depression. It's no coincidence that there's pastors taking their life every year. One of the most heartbreaking things is when a pastor takes its life and the enemy is wreaking havoc in our churches causing anxiety causing depression causing uh, suicidal thoughts some of the people right now closest to you and people in the chat I say Isaiah right now I'm dealing with suicide right now I'm dealing with depression and tonight I'm telling you we came to put it on notice uh, that the Lord has a plan and a purpose on your life and there were many men of God that faced this not in the weakest moments uh, but sometimes even in the great moments even after great victories uh, these men of God would deal with depression deal with anxiety and deal with suicide but the Lord always had a remedy or an antidote for supernatural powers that were not his spirit for supernatural things that were happening in demonic powers and demonic spirits of depression suicide these were all back then and the Lord remedied and the Lord delivered as he delivered them the Lord is saying tonight I'm going to deliver you one of the main spirits of witchcraft that would come upon the people of God that's coming upon people today was the spirit of Jezebel now one day I will do a live stream dedicated to exposing the spirit of Jezebel but let me just make it very quick and say this there is many people functioning pastors and leaders alike that are functioning under the spirit of Jezebel even right now in our churches there are many people that even right now are dealing with that demonic spirit that demonic spirit of intimidation that demonic spirit of control and and Elijah gets off of Mount Carmel has one of the greatest victories of his life literally defeats all these armies fire comes down from heaven he prays for the rain to come the rain shows up and after Elijah's greatest moments he's vulnerable to the power of Jezebel and the spirit of witchcraft I tell pastors this all the time I have I have people call me in fact, I had two or three of them just call me this last month after their live stream. And they say, Isaiah, how do you do it when you're preaching on live stream? Sometimes I just stall up. And I had many of them confess to me. They said, Isaiah, I just feel terrible after my live streams. Even if there's hundreds of viewers, even though I preach good, even if you know the finances are coming in, I just feel miserable. There's many pastors watching right now. They say, Isaiah, I feel miserable after I preach a good message. And they don't understand why. You have to understand that the attacks don't always come in valleys, but oftentimes attacks come on the mountaintop. 
Oftentimes, it's after the victory you deal with discouragement. It's after the victory you deal with depression. See, Elijah, because you have to understand that there is demonic backlash when you overcome the enemy. That if you're going to get involved in this whole supernatural world and this warfare and this thing that God has called every one of us to be a part of, you have to understand you are now on the enemy's radar and you need to begin to put on the armor and begin to get your weapons because the enemy is going to try to come with backlash, but you don't have to be afraid if you have the whole armor of God on. You don't have to be afraid if you're living a holy life. Somebody wrote me, said, Isaiah, can people put spells on me if I'm an on-fire believer? Absolutely not. If there is no open door or no open portal, witches and warlocks have no power over you if you're covered by the blood. So now Elijah has his greatest victory. He's he's ran from the city. He's sitting under a tree. The word gets back to Jezebel that Elijah has killed her prophets. And Jezebel makes this promise. She says, if Elijah's not dead by the end of the day, then I should be dead. And now a message gets to Elijah. Jezebel says, go give him this message. And Elijah, one of the greatest men of God in the Bible, is running from his life because a girl gave a word and spoke over him a curse of death. And now he's running from his life over a woman he never a woman he never even met. Now, most people don't know this about Jezebel. Elijah never met Jezebel. I'm telling you guys, people think this all the time that Elijah and Jezebel were constantly battling. Elijah did not meet Jezebel. The reason why Jezebel was able to influence him and put that spirit of witchcraft on him was because witchcraft is actually carried out through our words. That's why witches and warlocks say, yeah, we do spells and we say this and we say that. The Bible says there's power in the tongue of life or of death. So the tongue has power in God's kingdom and the tongue has power in the enemy's kingdom. And Jezebel speaks this word over Elijah and now Elijah's under a tree suicidal and Elijah's prayer is Lord just kill me now I don't want to live any longer but I came to tell somebody that's been living under that tree of depression I came to tell somebody that's been living under that tree of anxiety I came to tell somebody that's living under the tree of confusion I came to tell somebody that's living under the tree of sickness that today God is going to give you an assignment that today God is going to break this thing off of you witchcraft is carrying into words and I'll show you this because there's some of you right now that you had words spoken over you and I don't want to bring these up in your life I don't want you to go back to your memories none of that but you could right now stand in front of the mirror and you could hear words that an ex-boyfriend 10 years ago spoke over you come on am I lying tonight you could hear words of a family member saying you were fat or a family member saying you were ugly or a person saying that your nose was big or a person saying your ears were too big or a person saying you didn't look good this or look good that or you were dumb or you were stupid and you sat there in school with your test and those words of your parents when you were a kid saying you're dumb, you'll never amount to anything, ring through your ear as you're trying to graduate from college. These are words of witchcraft and word curses that have been placed over you and now you've lived your life remembering those things and they've lingered because somebody spoke those over you and as Jezebel spoke words of death over Elijah, so people have tried to speak over you but guess what? Tonight is the night to break off every word curse. Tonight is the night to break off every spell. I came to tell somebody that you are not worthless, that you are not a nobody, that you are not an accident. You are not just here by just by divine accident. You are here by purpose, that God has anointed you for such a time as this, that God has called you for such a time as this, and it is time to break the witchcraft. It is time to break the spells off of you. What was it that broke Elijah out of his depression? The Bible 
Bible says there was an earthquake, there was a windstorm, there was a fire, there was mighty shakings, and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, and the Lord wasn't in the windstorm, and the Lord wasn't in the fire, but the Bible says the Lord was in that still small voice, and the Lord is saying tonight, I need you to hear the small voice of my whisper. I need you to hear my anointing, my assignment, and my calling, because I have a plan for you. God broke it by saying, Elijah, it's time to get up, and it's time to go anoint some other prophets. God did not even deal with his depression. God did not even deal with his anxiety. God dealt with his purpose. Let me say that again. God did not deal with his anxiety or his depression. God dealt with his purpose because God knew the the reason why he was depressed. The reason why he had anxiety was because he wasn't living and the purpose that God gave him to live. Some of you are dealing with depression even now because you're living for a career and not your calling. But the Lord saying it's time to rise up. It's time to get up because have I not anointed you and have I not called you for this generation? Have I not anointed you for such a time as this? Understand that this witchcraft and this magic is only broken when you begin to do what God has called you to do. This is why the New Testament church was able to withstand the pressures of demonic persecution. You talk about all out demons that were pushing down the New Testament church. How did they prevail and how did they overcome the demonic attacks that were constantly on them? The Bible literally says that Paul was going door to door, pulling people out of their homes. Understand, Paul was going door to door, ripping people out of their doors, persecuting the church, killing believers. There was real persecution. Jesus, in fact, says that if you want to follow me, you have to lay down your life. And most people think, oh, that was that was not literal. It was absolutely literal because if you go back and read history, you're going to find out that there were 12 men and 11 of them got martyred. Some of the disciples got hung. Some of the disciples got beheaded. Some of the disciples got cut in half. Two of them got hung upside down. And you might think that that sounds drastic and crazy, but that is the majority of our world right now. If you are a believer, you are living in the minority of the unpersecuted church because in Acts chapter eight, it says persecution began to sweep through the church and scatter the believers. What you need to understand about persecution is it does not snuff out the flame of revival. It actually spreads the flame of revival. Persecution brings you out of your norm. Some of you are stuck where you're at. You're comfortable where you're at. And so the Lord will allow persecution to come to make the gospel spread in places it never would have spread. Let me give you an example. Uh, Pastors were not preaching online. Pastors were not live streaming. Pastors were content with their buildings being full of 50 to 100 people and preaching and prophesying over the same people every single week. We were not utilizing social media. The Lord came to us and said in 2020, you need to have internet revival. I'm not going to go into that because I've already talked about a hundred times, but what you have to understand stand is we didn't realize that all this stuff that was happening, all this stuff happening in the culture was God bringing and allowing it on the church so that the church would begin to reach the people that we were never reaching before. There's about 4 billion active Facebook users every single month and the church is not reaching social media. The church is not reaching secular spheres and so God has allowed this whole corona thing to happen so that it would actually scatter us so that we'd begin to preach to 
people we never would have preached of before. I look back and I thank God even in our ministry of some of the people that he allowed to come against us. I thank God some of, about some of the gospelers. I thank God for some of the naysayers. If it had not been for the persecution, come on, somebody better help me preach up in this. If it had not been for the rumors and the gossip, I wouldn't be where I am today. So God sometimes has to allow people to persecute you. God sometimes has to allow the enemy to mess with you. That's why the Bible says God left the enemies in the land so that he could teach them how to fight. The Lord has to leave these things in our life. That's why Paul said, I prayed three times for you to take the thorn out of my flesh. And you said no every single time because my strength is better when you are weak. And so God will allow the trials. He'll allow the wrestlings. He'll allow the pressure so that the persecution will help grow the church. The persecution will help spread the gospel. The persecution, remember, was not coming from the world. See, I want to tell you this because I know there's a lot of you getting set on fire. I know there's a lot of you getting radical. I know there's a lot of you getting saved through some of these live streams and you're praying for people. You're casting on demons. You're healing the sick. And a lot of you, you know, your church is still on lockdown and you haven't been able to go back to church. But let me tell you, when, and I'm going to warn you this, when you get back to church and you're all on fire and you're praying for the sick and you've been watching these live streams and you're trying to cast demons out and you want to be in all night prayer meetings and you want to be excited about God, understand that the persecution is not going to come from those that are outside of the church, but the persecution actually comes for, for, for the people that are inside the church. It was the most religious people that were persecuting the move of God. And the problem with religious people and the problem with the apostle Paul, or should I say Saul before he got saved, was he had education without a supernatural encounter. He had information but never experienced or walked in demonstration. He was prideful because he knew more of the Bible than those that were leading the move of God. And although he knew the Bible, he did not know the God of the Bible. And there are people in here tonight that might know the word of God, but do you know the word that became flesh and dwelt among us? Is there a relationship with you with the Holy Spirit? Do you know God in the supernatural realm or is it just theology? Is it just in your mind? Is it just, you know, scripture? I don't just want want to know the scripture. I want to know the God that wrote the scripture. You better believe that when a move of God starts in your life, when God begins to do something in your city, when God begins to move in a region, it's going to always be the same as it was for the last 2000 years. The religious people will gather and begin to persecute you and try to shut you down. You better believe that when you catch the fire, it won't be your old friends trying to snuff it out. It will be your lukewarm Christian friends. It will be pastors and leaders saying you've gone too far. You don't have to heal the sick anymore. You don't have to drive out demons anymore. You don't have to pray like that. The greatest resistance that Jesus had was not the prostitute or the tax collector. It was the Pharisee and it was the Sadducee. But I'm here tonight saying I'm tired of dead stale religion. I'm tired of the norm and the religious Pharisees and the powerless church. I want what it was in the days of old. I wish someone would type one in the chat if they hear me preach tonight. I want the real thing. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see deaf people ear hear. It is time 
time to revolt against the status quo. It is time to revolt against the norm. It is time to revolt against the flow of the ministry. It is time to go against the grain and to swim upstream. It is time to stop following the crowd and it is time to lead the crowd. The Bible says that the believers, yes, they were scattered. Are we scattered? Absolutely. I see some of you in the chat. I haven't seen you in three months and I'll just say this. I have about 10 people I know personally that just got diagnosed this week positive for COVID that are extremely sick. Some of them are in the hospital and some of of them are in their homes and we are scattered. We are isolated. We are not together. We are like the church in the book of Acts. We've been scattered by this sickness. We've been oppressed by this sickness. But the Bible says, although they were scattered, they begin to preach everywhere they go. Friend, I want to tell you that if you have a Facebook, your Facebook could become your pulpit. All you have to do is begin to post videos. You say, Isaiah, well, they don't, I don't get hundreds of thousands of people that watch my videos. Only 40 people watch my videos. Well, oh yeah, that's 40 people that could hear your testimony that never heard your testimony before. It is time to be like the disciples in the book of Acts. Well, Isaiah, they went all over the streets. We're not allowed to go out and lay hands. We're not allowed to go out in the streets. Yeah, but you're living in 2020. When we say go out, why don't you go out through Facebook? Why don't you go out through Instagram? Why don't you go out through YouTube? You think about this. You could literally forget about knocking door to door. I'm talking about we can right now press live on our computer and I could broadcast my face preaching this radical gospel right into people's homes. Think about that. Say you went door to door and begin to preach the gospel to people like they did in the book of Acts. No one's going to let you inside their house. No one's going to give you the time of day to preach. Yet right now I'm able to get through somebody's smartphone and I'm able to preach directly to them. People are literally holding their phones. My phone's right here. Look, I got my stream going. People are holding their phones like this and I'm preaching to people that would never hear the gospel and you're sitting there going, wow, we're supposed to be out on the streets. Absolutely. Is there a place for that? Absolutely. But understand God has allowed this because the church has hid in the building and God is now scattering the believers all over the place. And although they missed each other, like I miss some of you right now that are on my team, I can't wait to see you. I miss you. Can't wait for the potluck. Okay. Yes, I miss you. Absolutely. But understand that we are in a season where we're able to preach to everybody online. We're able to preach to people that we never preached to before. And the world is coming to us looking for answers. This was not a part-time Christianity that they lived in the book of Acts. This was a 24-7 lifestyle. Most of us preach when it's convenient, and they preach when it was inconvenient. They preach when times were at their worst, and we only want to preach when times are at our best. They preach when they least felt like it, and we preach when we most feel like it. They preach with the fire and the zeal and the power of God, and we preach with arguments and human wisdom, but I'm telling you, it's time to get modeled back. It's time to break off the spirit of witchcraft. It's time to break off the spirit of rebellion. It's time to preach to your friends, your family, your people at work and school. Every one of you, if you are a believer, I'm trying not to do a backflip. If you are a believer, you are a preacher. You have to begin to preach because the Bible says that they begin to preach and they begin to go from city to city seeing revival. The Bible says that Philip began to preach. The the only evangelist in the New Testament, the Bible says he's preaching in a city and the Bible says he preached Christ to them. See, preaching Christ is the only thing that works. There's so many of us at our churches, we're preaching and us personally that are preaching about our church. We're telling people about our ministries. We're telling people 
about what we do and you should come to this play at my church and you should come to this production at my church and you should come to this special service at my church but we're not preaching Christ crucified and understand that the key element to revival and breaking out of that demonic power was that they had to preach Christ Philip was not just preaching some social argument Peter was preaching about the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and the 39 lashes and the teachings of the kingdom he started preaching about Jesus opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears and casting out demons and doing miracles and the signs and wonders if your church is not supernatural then it only can be superficial and it's time to get a part of a supernatural revival movement it might not look like it's always look listen guys understand Paul was persecuting the church I'm gonna hit a nerve here so I just want you to I just want to warn you Paul was persecuting the church because they were breaking out of the norm of the temple and Paul didn't want things to change he wanted church as usual and so he wanted to go back to normal church and so he was persecuting the fresh move of God how many leaders and pastors right now are persecuting what God is doing because they want to go back to the church the way it was they want to go back to business as usual they want to go back to service as usual but God is saying stop persecuting the new thing because you're hungry for the old thing see we're creatures of habit and so we find comfort in what God did yesterday but the Lord is saying open up your eyes I'm getting ready to do a new thing and it's time to stop preaching compromise and it's time to stop preaching Christ preaching has to be more than a mere pep talk to spiritual infants that don't want anyone to wean them off of the word of God every single one of you in the chat came alive when somebody told you about a about the cross when somebody told you about Christ that he has the words of eternal life this is our job to do miracles to preach the gospel to drive out devils now understand that it was not church and it was not a revival meeting unless these things were done we cannot relabel because remember it's rebellion if we go against God's original design we cannot relabel our churches and do what Jesus didn't do and call them churches if we're if we're if we're out of pattern with what God called us to do so Jesus casted demons out everyone this is the ministry that the, the enemy hates the most and this was what Philip was doing the only evangelist in the New Testament his ministry is marked by healing those that were sick healing those that were paralyzed preaching the gospel and casting out demons and doing miracles and this is what we're not sing in the church and we owe it to the world to do these things and I'll tell you why because the enemy will always offer a substitute come on share this stream the enemy will always offer a, a compromise that's why in Acts chapter 8 in the same passage the Bible says that there was a sorcerer or a magician that was named Simon that was literally preaching a counterfeit watered-down gospel and getting people to follow his counterfeit signs and wonders these are counterfeit Christians that we've produced in America we have made so many counterfeit Christians with our fake signs and our fake manifestations and our fake wonders and their their counterfeit Christians are being produced by this deluded gospel that says you can do whatever you want because you have the grace of God these are these messages that will help that will not help your eternal soul but they only provide temporary enhancement to your life on earth they provide you these churches provide you coffee but they don't provide you the cross they give 
give you donuts, but they don't give you deliverance. They have coffee shops built in, but they don't have any prayer rooms. They have light and smoke, but they have no manifestation of the presence of God. And the Bible says this about it, that they were astounded by Simon for a long time. People were impressed by these Simon churches. They were impressed by these counterfeit revivals. They were impressed by these counterfeit moves of God. They were impressed by these lying signs and wonders. The Bible says from the leadest to the greatest is the, they called him the power of God and the great one. And they were astounded by the signs and wonders he performed. And the Bible says that they even listened closely years and years listening to this man that was, they thought a true vessel of God. But you have to understand counterfeit Christianity can only last for so long. Counterfeit moves of God can only fool people for so long. Some of you can't say you are lost and addicted to drugs. Some of you don't have the testimony that you are addicted to alcohol or porn. But a lot of you can say that I was sitting in church for 20 years now. I know a lot of you are going to get all freaked out right here. But there's a lot of you that could say I was in church for 20 years listening to a man proclaim to know God, but be powerless even in his own life. And these are Simon pastors that are doing counterfeit miracles and counterfeit signs and wonders. And they are fooling the masses because they don't actually have the move of God or the power of God in their lives. There are literally so many Simons filling the pulpits of America, claiming to have some power, claiming to be something, something great, but never actually doing deliverance on the people that are in bondage, never actually laying hands on the, on the sick. And I'm wondering how it's possible for millions of you to sit in church every Sunday and never experience the presence of God. At what point do you say, wait a minute, I'm in church and I'm not in experiencing the presence of God. I'm not experiencing the power of God. There are Simons in our pulpit that are putting people under their spell of dead religion, putting people under their spell of commercialized Christ, putting people under their spell of the American dream. And Jesus says, many will come saying, I am the Christ and deceive many. Now I'm not going to break this whole thing down because I've broken down before and we're an hour and a half in an hour in, but I will say this, that when he says many will come saying, I'm the Christ, what he was saying was many preachers will rise up and they will not be anointed by God, but they will claim to walk in the anointing of God. There is a lot of preachers that claim to be anointed, that claim to have supernatural power, yet they do revival meetings, and then they go to the hotel, and they hook up with prostitutes. They do the revival meetings, and then they go on their computers and deal with pornography till three o'clock in the morning, because it is a counterfeit power of God, and it is a counterfeit gospel. And Jude said this, he said, these teachers, now this is Jude talking. He said, these preachers have wormed their way in. Listen to what I'm saying tonight. This is very important. He says, they have wormed their way into your churches and they, they have said that the marvelous grace of God allows us to live immoral lives. He start talking and starts talking about God's judgment on these people. He says, he, here are the signs. He goes, here's the signs of false teachers. He says, one, they will use a grace. They will use the grace 
grace of God as a license to sin, then they will claim to have dream after dream after dream. I understand that one of the um, one of the signs of a false teacher that Jude tells us is he says they claim to have authority from their dreams, yet they live immoral lives and they scoff at authority. So here's what he was saying. He was saying there's these guys that are worming their way into our churches, okay? I'm not calling out nobody by name. He says they're, they're going to worm their way into our churches. They're going to use the grace of God to allow you to live immoral lives. And then they're going to say they have dream and dreams and visions and dreams. They're going to use their dreams and visions as authority. And But but in the background of it all, they're going to live immoral lives and they're going to scoff at spiritual authority. In other words, they're going to be arrogant and they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. If you know any preachers or any pastors that scoff at spiritual authority, then it is possible that they are false teachers. And if you find all the, you know, every, every, everybody's over there claiming this and claiming that and claiming here. And it's like in the body of Christ, we don't know what to believe now. And there is an immoral grace of God message being preached. And I'm telling you, it is a demonic witchcraft uh, message from Simon. And it's time to break the spirit of Simon off the body of Christ and say, we need to get back to preaching the word of God. So one, they will give a license to sin by the grace of God. Two, they claim to have constant dreams is on your Bible. Three, they live immoral lives. What's up, Matt Cruz in the chat? And four, they will defy authority. And he says they don't want to talk about, you know, these things like the judgment of God. They don't want to talk about the truth and about hell and about repentance and about miracles. They will preach a watered down, diluted gospel. And so Simon has this movement going. He has a bunch of people following, preaching a counterfeit gospel. And here comes Philip, and the Bible says now because Philip began to preach, who's preaching an authentic, real gospel that God gave him, the Bible says many started leaving Simon, and they begin to follow. They begin to follow Philip. Why? Because you have to understand, people will fall for counterfeit Christianity until they see the real thing. And there is one thing that counterfeit Christianity hates, and that's when the real thing shows up. Counterfeit Christians hate. I mean counterfeit pastors hate when the real thing shows up because the only way to tell if something's counterfeit is by comparing the real thing to it. If you want to know how they tell counterfeit money, they get the real dollar bill and they get the counterfeit dollar bill and they match them next to each other and they say, oh, we could tell that these don't look alike. Friend, you have to understand that our lives should look so different than the counterfeit believers that sit in our services on Sunday morning. You have to understand that everybody believes in religion and counterfeit Christianity until they finally experience the real thing. Every you have to. That's why there's a lot of people. If I te- had our team testify, I have family, I have friends. There's people, lots of you in the chat that say I was in church for 30 years. I never experienced the power of God. I've never experienced the anointing. And then after 30 years of sitting in Simon services, all of a sudden one day I felt the Holy Ghost and I experienced the power of God. And now I've had a real relationship, not religion, but a real relationship ever since. That's because you are following the spirit of the counterfeit Simon gospel and not the spirit of almighty God. See, the Bible says that Simon starts following Philip and the first problem comes when you follow Philip and you don't follow God. The Bible does not say that Simon began to follow God. It says Simon began to follow Philip. He believed he was baptized, yet he wasn't following Christ. He was following a man. And I want to tell you tonight, are you genuinely following Christ or are you just following a 
revival movement. Uh, I don't want people to just follow me and have a relationship with me. Uh, I want people to follow Jesus. Now, I know Paul says to follow me as I follow Christ, uh, but you have to understand there is a lot of us that don't have no relationship. We live off of a man or a woman of God and their revelation and their visions and their sermons and their dreams, but we never get connected to a real relationship with God. And if there's anything I want out of the community we're building, if there's anything I want out of these live streams and everything we're pouring into this, I want you to follow Jesus. And I'll tell you one thing that we're going to see as all these churches were shutting down because of the coronavirus. What we're seeing is a lot of people in our churches were not following Jesus. They were following our Sunday morning routines. They were following the personalities of their pastor. But it is time for some of you to stop following Simon. And it is time for you to start following Jesus. It's time for you to start following the cloud and not the crowd. I don't want just a bunch of little Isaiah Saldivars. I want a bunch of people that pray like Jesus. I want a bunch of people that look like Jesus. I want a bunch of people that follow Jesus. Because if you don't follow Jesus, you will live your life pointing out the flaws of your leaders. Oh, somebody help me preach. You will live your life looking at your leaders and say, I don't like them because they're flawed here. I don't like them because they're flawed here. That is why the Bible says, look unto God. He is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. I'm not the author and I'm not the finisher of your faith. I'm not finishing your run. Christ is. I'm not finishing your race for you. Christ is. And I came to tell somebody that it is time to get your eyes off of other people's flaws and imperfections and put your eyes on Christ. Christ, and maybe, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, maybe you'll begin to go places in God if you stop focusing on what everybody else around you is doing and start focusing on what God is doing. Let me give you a hint. Every one of your leaders is going to have flaws because they're human. Let me give you a hint. There is no perfect church because the moment you got there, it became imperfect. And if you're looking for a perfect leader, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're never going to find one. But the key to success in ministry is saying, I'm not looking to my leaders. I'm looking to God. If my leaders disappoint me, it's okay because I'm looking to God, the author and the finisher of my faith. Israel wanted to follow Moses. They didn't want to follow God. Israel had no prayer life. They had no commitment. And when Moses would leave, what would happen to Israel? What happened the moment that Moses went to the mountain? The Bible says immediately the children of Israel begin to worship idols. I don't want the moment saying, I go, okay, well, I'm not live streaming for a month. And then all of a sudden our whole community decides all these people that are getting saved in our revival, in our revival live streams, all of a sudden they all go back to the world. What's that going to tell me? That's going to tell me that they were never following Christ. They were following me. People say, well, are you worried when you start your services back up that nobody's going to be there? Are you worried that when you start the living room, people aren't going to show up? And you know what I'm worried about? I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that because if they leave, because we didn't have service for three months, they were never following Christ. They were following Isaiah Saldivar and Isaiah Saldivar is not going to be there on judgment day next to you. Come on. Somebody needs to share this stream. Isaiah Saldivar is not going to be there on the day of judgment. It is going to be you and it is going to be Jesus. And it's time to break out of that witchcraft and to begin to follow Jesus. Now I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Then we're going to pray prayer and we're going to break off witchcraft. We're going to break off word curses, but the Bible says something so interesting that I don't think I've ever heard a pastor preach about. The Bible says that Simon 
the sorcerer begins to follow Philip and now Philip has this thriving ministry Philip's preaching the gospel people are getting healed miracles are happening deliverances are happening happening and the Bible says that Peter and John come to begin to evaluate Philip's ministry watch this now you need to stop being mad when ministry leaders try to evaluate your ministry what were what were Peter and John doing was they were coming to see if the Samaritans were getting baptized and saved under Philip's ministry were genuine believers. So Peter and John were sitting back and all of a sudden they heard, oh, there's a great revival happening and Philip's, you know, converting all these people. There's a revival, a move of God. And all of a sudden Peter and John, they said, we need to come and we need to see if these are real conversions or these are counterfeit Christians. If Peter and John came to our churches today to check the authenticity of our conversions, we would be dumbfounded when they told us that the people that are in our churches nev- that never had a born-again experience and that never encountered the Holy Ghost were not believers in the first place. Judgment Day, we're going to have stacks of... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. On Judgment Day, we're going to have stacks of cards, millions of cards, the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, there's going to be millions of cards of people that we said got saved that did not genuinely get saved. See, we tell people, oh, come to the altar and pray a prayer and fill out a card and now you're saved. And they come to church for three weeks. They go right back to the strip club. They go right back to the bar. They go right back to the old lifestyle. Why? Because we never preach on deliverance. We never preach on the Holy Spirit. We never talked about the conviction of God. We never preach on the hell. We never preach on the fear of the Lord. And then we have a card and we, at the end of the year, we say, oh, a thousand people got saved this year, even though half of them are the same people that come every single week and write their names down over and over again. And the Lord says, you're going to be accountable for those cards. You're going to be accountable for those people that you said were saved. I never want to paint the gospel as a cheap picture. I always want to paint a proper representation that the gospel will cost you everything that following Jesus is a lifelong decision to lay down your life and to follow and surrender everything the Bible says that immediately when they got there they laid hands on them and the believers received the Holy Ghost they had been baptized in water but not baptized in the Holy Spirit last Tuesday me and TJ I know a lot of you weren't here we prayed the baptism of the Holy Spirit and people got baptized in the Holy Spirit I got many messages of people saying, I spoke in tongues for the first time and got baptized. And tonight the Lord told me we're going to pray once again for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's 190 of you on, there's 890 of you on right now. And if you're listening to this and you say, Isaiah, I need a fresh baptism. I'm tired. I'm weary. Then tonight is your night to get freshly baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. So now Simon begins to follow them. Remember, he comes out of witchcraft. He's leading literally a witchcraft movement. And Simon wants the power that they have. He didn't want a relationship with Christ. He just wanted to see signs and wonders and miracles happen and wanted to be popular. See, Simon still had a desire to be known. He had a desire for everyone to look at him. He had a desire to have a large internet following. He had a desire for everyone to be in awe of him. But the problem was his ministry, the reason why he wanted to be in the ministry was fueled by deceptive motives and was fueled by ungodly desires. And so he 
comes up to John and he comes up to the disciples and he says, how much is this power going to cost me? What do I have to do to earn it? How much do I have to pray? How much do I have to give? How much do I have to read so that I could have the supernatural power? And Peter looked back and said, let your money be destroyed with your thinking. Your heart is not right with right with God. You are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Friend, I want to tell you something that God cannot promote your ministry if you live your life jealous of every other person's ministry. If you're sitting there constantly saying, well, why does he have more viewers than me? And why is his stuff growing and mine isn't? God says, I can't use you if you're just trying to buy the anointing for your own personal gains. There's a lot of you that want to hold a microphone, but you don't want to hold a plunger. There's a lot of you that want me to push your stuff on social media, but you don't want to push a vacuum in the local church. There's a lot of you that want to have a large following, but you don't want people to genuinely know God. You just want to be popular. I can't count how many times I said, Lord, I don't want this. I don't want the ministry. I don't want the following. I don't want no one to see me. I would rather be in the sound booth. And the Lord says, Isaiah, these are people that I want to use. I'm looking for broken, humble people. I'm looking for people that are humbled. I'm looking for people that would walk in the spirit. I'm looking for people that would walk in my anointing. I'm looking for people that would walk in humility. It's easy to start following Philip, but can you last? I want to make a place where people actually last in the things of God. So you have to ask yourself, is my heart right? Is my secret life right? Is my desires right with God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Simon pastor letting witchcraft run my church, letting rebellion run my church, and having false signs and wonders and standing on judgment day. And the Lord saying that the conversions that you had in your church were not genuine conversions. Friend, I'm telling you tonight is a night where God says, I want to break witchcraft off of you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.